You're listening to Japanese Baptist Church in Seattle, Washington. Hello, everyone, and welcome to JBC Connect. We have another episode for you, and we have a wonderful guest today. It's the very talented artist,、uh, Sarah Kane, who is also one of our、uh, artists in residence in this past year、uh, with、uh, Brem Cascadia. And for those of you who don't know what、um, an artist in residence means with Cascadia, it was basically、um, Sarah got to be with her community for about a year. And as she was with us,、um, she worked with some of、uh, our individuals to,、uh, our congregation members to create some art and also to be a part of some of our activities like our Sela gathering. And she also got to share about her art、uh, with our community as well. And it's wonderful, it's profound, there's so much to it. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. So let's just, just jump into it. Um, Sarah, thank you for joining us. And I thought before we go too far into conversation, it'd be really great to start off with folks who don't know you. So maybe you could just introduce yourself a bit, like who you are,、uh, what you're doing, and、um, a bit about you as an artist.、Um, so my name is Sarah Kane. I live in Seattle,、um, was pretty much raised here. And、um, I have family also that、um, was raised here as well, so like second generation.、Um, and yeah, I. Do a lot of different types of art,、um, mainly in the realms of photography and、um, ceramics. And I really enjoy like history and historical things. And yeah, so that's mainly that's where I get a lot of my information, but then also current events and stuff as well.、Uh-huh. So, so、um, I found it really interesting in that as I got to know you,、um, you have like a very diverse. Skill set. Like, <laughs> I mean,、uh, I also learned, like, you know, professionally, you,、um, you are a coder, right? I mean, you,、yeah. you write software. So,、um, how did you, how, like, tell us a bit about the journey of like how you discovered all these different,、uh, you know, very different mediums. Right. So,、um, so I went to University of Washington and I actually majored in、um, photography and communications. So, I was like a fine arts major. And then I went on a couple of study abroad. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll get a communications major as well.、Um, and so that's like, was kind of my background. And then later on, I had the desire to like、um, create kind of like information spots for people,、um, you know, for select groups of people. And that kind of led me down the path of programming because, generally speaking, to make a website, you have to, in some cases, know how to、um, program. And so I found a program、um, that did that. And so I took that. It was like a boot camp, a coding boot camp, a year long boot camp. And so I went、mm-hmm. into that. And, and then from there, I started with、um, programming. And so that's kind of how I got to programming from. And also, it was a skill that I could use to support my、yeah. art habit. So,、mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's interesting, right? Because, like, for myself、uh, as, a, as a musician producer, I feel like、um, technology. Is so essential now to、um, what I do in music. Like, I, I actually have to learn little bits of like how operating systems work. I have to like troubleshoot. And、um, I feel like for artists nowadays,、um, it's almost like an essential thing that you have to、uh, have some kind of savvy with technology. Like, yeah, a little bit. Really get around it. Yeah. yeah.、Uh-huh. But then,、um, so how did you discover ceramics then?、Um, I took. My first ceramics class I took at the community college while I was attending. 
And I really enjoyed it. It was a hand building class, really enjoyed it. And I got pretty good marks in that um, class. And so every time I got like an, in, um, every time I got a chance, I would just take ceramics classes. So I took some at UW while I was there, um, learned a lot in that class as well, uh, with technique and everything. And then after I was finished with college, I graduated, I continued to go up to um, the community college in Bellevue to take classes there as well. Mm -hmm. So that's just something I pursued um, throughout my whole education or formal mm -hmm. education. So, yeah. Mm. Do you, do you feel like there's maybe a connection there somewhere between like photography and ceramics? Like why? Cause I mean, they're very, you know, they're worlds in themselves, right? Like, I mean, you could get lost in either one easily, but do you feel like there's a connection for you? So photography for me, I feel it's kind of a um, observation and it's very, I feel like one dimensional. It's a very flat kind of medium. Mm -hmm. Whereas ceramics is two dimensional and it's not as observational. It's more like I'm in it. Right. So I'm working it. So I really can't say I find any kind of crossover, except that oftentimes when I am making ceramic pieces, I will often display them as in one dimensional kind of flat ways because I uh -huh. come from like a photography background um, not so much like in a sculpture way. So I make, um, so I make ceramics to display in like a one dimensional way, even though they're more two dimensional. So kind of breaking out of that one dimensional with my ceramics has been a, a little bit of a challenge because I never really thought of it like that, you know, as like sculpture. Um, so yeah. Well, you know, that that's interesting because, um, uh, I mean, I hope people can uh, get to see uh, your photo book, I guess that you had done of ceramics and, uh, well, I don't know if it's ceramics, right? It's hard for me to describe what it was. But, but, you know, it's interesting because, like, um, it definitely wasn't you just showcasing your sculpture ceramics. It was actually, what was just as significant was, like, the composition of the shot. Like, it was, like, it was created, these objects were created to be photographed, you know? Right. And, yes, yeah. And I, I think that kind of talks about, too, like, maybe your approach to, um, like, ceramics is, like, it's not, like, that uh, thing isolated in itself, it's like meant to be captured in a way um, through photography. So it kind of explains like how 3D and 2D come yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that's a pretty neat thing. And the other thing I was thinking, like when you're saying that is like, um, I, I find like I pursue certain art forms because um, it balances the other one. Like I actually really like visual art as well. And had I not gone to music, I would have done that. And some, <laughs> Like, it's funny to say, but like, I sometimes I love visual art because it doesn't make any sound. Like, as a musician, like, I get kind of tired of just, like, sound all the time. I'm just like, you know, it's just too much. So I, I find it very, like, cathartic to just do some kind of artistic discipline that involves no audio and, uh, and vice versa, you know? Right. So I wonder if that, like, having those extremes, the way you described it, like, it kind of, like, um, balances each other in a way. Yeah, I think they use kind of different parts of my brain. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, it kind of gets different parts, like, buzzing. And so that's always nice to use different parts of my brain. Yeah, that's an excellent way of putting it. And, and I feel like it's almost like when you engage all parts of the brain, that, like, the whole brain, the brain as a whole works better. Yeah. Like, 
um, like I can imagine like if you're um, like working really hard with 3D all the time, like you want to do something 2D and then. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes uh-huh. 3D kind of simplifies things a little bit, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh-huh. So I, I want to um, continue just talking about your art. Um, one of my, I guess my first introductions to your art was we were at uh, an artist retreat mm-hmm. and we were all going around showcasing um, your work. And um, I have to admit, like, you know, when I meet you, you're very, like, uh, low-key, like, you know, you're not um, uh, actively, like, selling, you know, like, who you are as an artist. Like, I, I really like that about um, you're very... Um, very approachable, very down to earth when I talk with you. But so I wasn't prepared when you very casually just kind of showed us like, oh, here's my art piece. <laughs> you're just um, uh, handing it out to everyone. And I have to admit, like, it was, it filled me with so many emotions. And I, I've never forgotten being almost like ambushed by it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was such a strong, uh, so many things to unpack. And um, I'm not joking about this. Like, I, I still think about it even to this day. And especially right now with everything going on. And I want to talk about that in a moment. But um, uh, maybe you could just describe what this artwork is, because I don't want to talk too much about it. This is kind of what they look like. They're mm-hmm. cards. Uh, and they have a front and a back. So the front, um, for people who cannot hear, um, usually has like a picture of um, children, right? Um, And the children are generally speaking, wearing like fancy clothes. And these fancy clothes like are taken from fashion plates um, in uh, like the Victorian era, right? So, um, and then on the back and then, so it's a layered kind of, it's a layered like card. And so in back of like, on the background for the children, there's um, like um, text. And the text talks about, um, well actually the text is like old slave advertisements from like newspapers during that time, during slavery. And so, yeah, um, and these are all photo- photographs taken um, of people during the Victorian era, which is essentially like the slave slavery era. Um, yeah, and then on the back of the card, we have like the slave advertisements. So we have like, this one is to be sold, a boy and a girl about 11 years old. Um, Monday, 3rd of November, 1760. Um, and then this one is for sale. A likely Negro boy about 12 years old is offered for sale for life. He'll be sold low to any person who will engage not to sell him out of state. Uh, and so, yeah, on the back of the cards are like advertisements um, for pretty much the human trafficking, which was very, um, which is common and legal in the United States up until about 150 years ago. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so you were uh, kind of like digitally editing um, the text and then these images of the clothing. Now, did you put the clothing on the children or was this actually pictures of children and clothing? 
I put the clothing on the children because when I was younger, I was really interested in like historical fashion. That's kind of where like my history kind of background comes from. And um, I was, was, I was like very interested in it and I bought like books on it and I would really study it. Um, But then when I kind of went into my own history, I'm a slave descendant and all my, Mm -hmm. on both sides of my family. Um, Realizing that my ancestors who were kids, like probably wouldn't be wearing these clothes but they probably picked the cotton that was used to make these clothes. And so for me, like putting it over the kids, um, which is kind of an ironic kind of like twist um, in that like, yeah, you know, you, you would pick the cotton and be sold to pick cotton, um, but you would never actually be able to wear these um, beautiful clothing, so. Right, and um I, I appreciate you actually holding them up because like I'm going to show some videos throughout the video of this, but like you, you holding it just shows like how um, they're so tiny. And so like when you were handing this around, just talking from my experience, um, I was like, from a distance, they look like playing cards to me, um, right. like maybe game cards or something like that. Or, um, you know, someone had mentioned like sports cards, something, something very, I don't know, very innocuous, I guess. And like uh, very portable. Um, so when it kind of landed in my hands as you're passing it around, I was like, oh, what's this? So I just look at the, the picture. Oh, it's a child. Because like, I'm not looking at the writing or anything yet. Right. And, um, and I'm like, okay, uh, it's a black child. And then, oh, it's clothing. And then my, my mind is racing. It's like, what's going on here? And there's some writing in the background. And behind the kids, I can't fully see it, but some keywords. So I flip it around to wonder what's going on. Cause that's what you do with playing cards. There's usually right. some information mm-hmm. at the back. Yeah. And then I'm reading is that, Oh, um, that's when like this kind of like, I described like this sledgehammer hits you. It's like, wait a minute, what's going on here. Um, cause it's just, it's horrific to read about this. Right. It is, yeah. And, and, and the way it's, it's, um, I guess, you know, the font and like the old timey and just the, the unapologetic nature of how they're just advertising this, you know, then it makes you want to go back to the other card again, right? The other side of the card. And it's like, um, why are these kids dressed up? You know, like what's going on? Like um, uh, who dressed them up? Like what's going on here? And it's like, I think all of those, like it just keeps generating more questions and it just talks about class, about power, um, about the vulnerability of children, um, uh, just the horrors of racism, and just it keeps sprawling. And so um, I don't know. And then because you have like a stack of them, you didn't have like just one. Right. It was yes. a stack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you just keep seeing more and more of these. It just fills you with so many things, so many questions. Um, I- I'm curious. Like um, I've been able. I've had the privilege of seeing you hand these out into, I guess, yeah, two different occasions, um, once at our church and then once with the artist group. Um, could you maybe describe to me, like, what are some of the reactions of people and other groups that you've tried to, like, you know, display this group? Yeah, so it's a lot of silence. A lot of silence. Um, I, I, you know, pass them out, and for a while, people don't really say anything. And then when they do start to speak, they don't know what to say, you know? And that's been kind of like the, the main kind of reaction that I've um, mm. gotten. 
Mm -hmm. how, how do you feel about that? Because that's, that's an interesting. Uh, it is interesting. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. I think it's more, um, I understand that these do like, there's a lot of layer to this. And this is a very, although they're very small, right? They're not very big. Mm -hmm. um, it said to me that they, that they kind of did what I intended for them to do. You know, and I think that people, it hit people, you know, even, even cause I, these are a couple of years old. Um, and even then when things were in this country were like pretty, you know, pretty cool, wasn't much going on. People were still very shocked and, um, deeply affected by them when they, yeah. when they read them, mm -hmm. you know, so. Right. Right. Cause like they're, um. I mean, this is probably an awful thing, but you know, the Black Lives Matter, like the actual phrase of it is like perhaps five, six years old, but um, but it definitely lost a lot of momentum in a way, just in terms of like mind share, I guess, in social right. consciousness. But um, it's interesting is that what you did with this is like, it transcends like any like social media trend or a hashtag or something, right? Like yeah. it's, it's very impacting. And um, in light of obviously now there's a resurgence in the awareness, um, uh, it has so much, there's a, there's a deeper weight to it. Right. But it's always been weighty. Um, yeah. and I, I did want to say maybe also for the readers, like, I think something interesting too, is like when you present them, which is really, I think is wonderful is that you're very like nonchalant about it. Like, um, you don't, you don't even preface them. Uh, I noticed right, you don't right. even set them up for it because, and that's what kind of makes it more powerful in a way is, um, and you don't really let people off the hook. Like you don't, prepare them or um yeah you don't do anything really you just hand right. them out I, i'm not right. to be honest i'm not sure how i would prepare them because for me even yeah. for me it's very it's hard for me kind of to talk about it because yeah. there are so many layers right yeah. there's like there's just so many layers there's so many like you know contradictions there's so many like um yes. ironic things that happen that like I don't even have a good way to prepare people. So I'm just like, you know what? I'll let you all, you know, deal with it. And which I think people can, you know, I yeah. think they can. Um, and it is, it is hard at first, but you know, um, yeah, I, th I think people can, can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think like the, the thing that really strikes me is about like, we were talking again about like how the cards are small. Um, so it's very non-threatening way. Like, um, right. And it just feels very familiar. It's like, oh yeah, you know, kids play with cards. We play cards for games. Like it just feels very domestic and very safe. So when you finally see what this card is, like, you know, for me, it's like a, it's like a lament, you know, it's like a, it's like a prophetic rebuke too, in a way. Right. It's, right. it's, yeah. it's, it's dangerous, right? Like it's a, it's a small thing, but it's on fire, you know? And it, it makes me also realize like, you know, that's how we also view children in a way. Like we just kind of really can just treat them like small objects or like kind of discount them or um, that's why they're so vulnerable, you know? Right. Yeah. But um, easily, um, like just like the cards are easily like transacted or, or passed around, you know, like um, the, the whole thing of trafficking is like uh, mm -hmm. children can be like this too. Yeah. And um, all of those things are just like hitting me. And so it, it is definitely 
one of the most powerful works, like, and I'm not saying this lightly, like it's one of the most powerful works like I've encountered um, in the past while. Uh, perhaps because also I know you more, but um, yeah. So this is probably like a good place to segue since we're talking about it. Um, how, with everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter right now, right? Like, and um, you know, obviously I had a you know brief conversation with you at the retreat um, and your investment um, in a lot of these matters. Um, how, how do you feel um, how do you feel about your voice right now in this current time and what's going on? Right. Um, that's a good question. And I don't really know because I've been on my own social media, which is not even that active. Um, I've been super quiet. Like I haven't really said anything and I think the main reason why is because I was waiting for everybody to die down <laughs> and then go back to normal, right? Because I feel like like this kind of uprising, I guess, is like a cycle. But like after, you know, everybody goes back to normal or they don't feel threatened anymore, then people just kind of forget about it. But my life, you know, doesn't, and the things that, you know, I worry about and I'm concerned about doesn't really change. And so... I think for me, I was just mainly hoping for it to like die down. Cause I was like, I've seen this before, right? My parents have seen this before right. and you know, it's 2020 and these things are still happening. Obviously how we go about doing it doesn't really work, you know? So yeah, mainly I was just like, I just want to go back to normal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's weird that you say the word normal, right? Because now we're all kind of like in question, like what is normal really? Um, but I, I think what you're talking about really makes sense, right? Because, um, you know, having been connected with like, for instance, like uh, one of our sister churches is like the historic Mount Zion Baptist Church, which was very active in like um, civil rights movement. And uh, so when I think of like my friends there, uh, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, it's like we, we, you know, they've been doing it like it's not like a new thing for them. It's not a hashtag for them. You know, they've been doing it before hashtags. Um, and that's I guess that's also frustrating, right? When it feels like you get all these people who have now finally become allies, which you appreciate in a way. But then in a way, it's frustrating, too, is like, well, this is more than a trend. OK, like, you know, what we what what um, what this community goes through is not. Um, just for a season, like just because yeah. we became aware of it, it's all going to get solved or something. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I think one of the really poignant things, like I got to hear the podcast of the recording of it, the memorial for George Floyd and all these parents of, um, of uh, children who died from uh, violence, mm-hmm. uh, black families, they were all there. And it was just really powerful. It was like a reminder is like, look, I mean, George Floyd, like for, for whatever reason, George Floyd became the center of a lot of this, but um, he's not exceptional, unfortunately, you know? Right. right. Uh, and there's so many more stories like him, but we just chose this one story to represent many stories. Yeah. So it, I can imagine like um, it's hard. It must be exhausting, right? I, I bet everyone's kind of asking like, give your statement on this now. It's like, 
Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I think now I'm just kind of used to it. You know, I just wait uh, for and you know, wait, wait for people to reach out and start acting differently than they usually do. You right. know, it passes by and I'm like, okay, you know, and yeah. you know, among other black people, we have like our jokes about it. You know? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's like, I think it's just so routine that like you just, I just, it's like, I don't know, waves, like, you know, when you, when you're at the beach and the waves come in, and yeah. then kind of go out again. It's like a routine, you know, you wait for it to come, you wait for everybody's reaction and then they go out again. And then, you know, mm-hmm. everything's back to, you know, quote unquote normal. Right. So, yeah. 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 I think that's kind of like the challenge that I'm facing with my church because, you know, um, with the incarceration, like uh, all the Japanese Americans being sent to the camps, um, you know, JBC has been thinking about, you know, racial justice and equity for a long time, but, you know, from an Asian American lens, which is very different. Right. But I, I try to remind people, I was like, look, um, this, this is very important what's going on right now, but it just reminds us like, we need to keep going on what we've been always doing. Like, you know, and like we lose integrity if we just suddenly shift course or like join like trends or something. But like, if we can right. just stay like rooted in what we've always been trying to push to do, then there's something really powerful in that, you know? And um, like, I I appreciate the fact that like, you know, your art was created not when it was like a really popular trendy time to do it, but it was right. just like, uh, and because you did it like in a time that you did, it just transcends, you know? It's so much more important right now, but then um, like, as you said, like even when the wave, like um, the tide recedes, um, it's still gonna be powerful. Right, because yeah it transcends like a trend or, or like one political event or something like that. Um, do you, when you're creating, is that, cause that's a heavy burden, right? I mean, I feel like for myself as Asian American, like everyone's kind of getting in my face. So like, Hey, can you talk about like Asian racism right now? Because uh, you know, everything going on with like people calling China's virus. Like, I feel like I have to be spokesperson for Asians, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that pressure right now? Like in your art, like uh, that you, that people around you, like, I mean, really well-intentioned allies, but they're, they're trying to like force you to be the spokesperson of all people, like, you know, in your, in your community. Um, I think that's probably why I didn't really share any of my art during this time. Yes. Cause okay. I was like, I don't really want to be that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'll just wait until everything dies down and then I'll put something up. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably a deliberate thing on my half. It's like, I just didn't, I, I was not going to put anything up or anything. I was just quiet. Cause I'm like, it's not to me. It's like, I didn't really feel that the outcry was really genuine, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't want to be just part of, you know, the chorus. Um, especially when like, like it happens all the time. Like it's not uncommon, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I'll just not put anything up. Mm-hmm. Um, because not to say that I didn't make art during this time because I did, um, but I was, I was not going to try and share it with anyone. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I felt a sort of similar tension too, because I, I was like, I don't want to just suddenly just be doing black squares, and, you know, like on my social media feed and all this stuff to act like, Oh, wow. You know, like, um, did you know, kind of thing? Like, uh, this is going on right now. It's like, because, um, 
like Americans don't really have an excuse, right? I mean, you, exactly, you, yeah. you knew all right. this time. I mean, don't, why are you so shocked right now? Like you've had exactly. so many opportunities, mm-hmm. so many profound people like speaking prophetically to you, you know, exactly, yeah. um, uh, I almost didn't want to give it attention in a way, <laughs> but right. I, I did, you know? And so I felt this real, it's hard for me to explain. Um, so do you, do you feel then in your art a pressure sometimes to, cause like, I, I feel like these cards thing, it, it came from a very natural, real place. Um, it wasn't like this agenda. You didn't feel like I got to do this, like to talk about this issue. Like it was just very real. And I think that is something that is very true of all your art. So I wonder, do you, do you feel sometimes this pressure? Like I need it to be informed by like, um, like justice issues or is it something that just comes on its own? Right. Um, usually it's not necessarily justice issues because I feel that like the word justice issues or that phrase is like, this is just life for some of us. Right. So when I'm doing these cards, I'm essentially just going back to my family history. Unfortunately, it's all slavery. Um, for the vast majority of the people. And so it's not really a justice issue. It's just life issue, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So in that case, um, I don't really feel any pressure to like, you know, do like historical, you know, piece or whatever. Ma- um, mainly because that's just my history, right? There's nothing, there's really nothing else, mm-hmm. unfortunately. <laughs> you know so that's just life for me you know and um from an artist standpoint it's a powerful place to be able to tap into um and i don't like to like heavily rely on it because i tend to it might like it might make me fatigue and other people also kind of like okay you know back to that but at the same time if i'm drawing from my history there's nothing else to draw from right that's mm-hmm. kind of it mm-hmm. um and so that's yeah. No, that's really great because my interview with May too is like a lot of her art is not about an issue. Um, I, I was leading a, a little bit with that question, so I apologize, but I, I was trying to actually get to this. Is like a lot of it is about identity, isn't it? It's just about finding like who am yeah. I, where am I from, where am I going, and if you really honor those questions, like it'll just take you exactly, yeah, things, right. And uh, you know that's what it did for you because you know you actually had an interest in history, right? Just and you had mentioned that, you know, you had this interest in fashion and aesthetics, right? Um, yes, yeah. And then, you know, you can't help but let all those things, those curiosities of how you're created uh, by God, like if you just honor those things that God's put in you, um, it'll take you somewhere. And it took you yeah. to this amazing yeah. place with these cards. Um, and I guess maybe the the last thing, uh, there's so much I want to talk about this. We, we definitely should talk more on this uh, subject. Yeah. But... Um, I'm feeling kind of this thing that I'm seeing like social media with a lot of my peers that I follow who are artists, that there is this, um, I feel a pressure sometimes like our art must be protest right now, you know, and yeah. it must be prophetic. And like, I, I agree. Uh, but you know, I, I hesitate in a way. Um, and I wonder um, now that, you know, you're, you're not like a new artist, like, you know, you've been doing art for uh, a number of years and you studied pretty rigorously, like a lot of different art forms. What, what would you say to like a younger artist who was trying to figure out the balance between like art and protest? 
part in protest. Um, I think what I would say to them is don't feel pressured to do anything based on like maybe what other people are saying. If, you know, protest is something you're very passionate about, then definitely do that. But if not, don't feel that you need to do it um, just because everybody else is doing it, you know? And oftentimes I feel that like when you're going against the grain, you know, like everybody's protesting now mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, but if you're protesting when no one is protesting, that could, you know, be a little bit more impactful, you know? So I would say if you want, if you feel the need to protest, definitely do it. But if not, like, don't feel pressure to do it, you know, mm-hmm. do it at this, in this area feels what, what's right for you. That's what mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. I think that's, that's, that's a lot of wisdom because I think that goes back to what we were talking about before, right? Like if it's more about like, you need to be really sincere to who you are. Right. And, and I think when you are like, it's going to take you to places where you're going to actually go against the grain of like the bigger story of society. Right. And, and, um, you have to honor yourself by like going into that tension and that battle. And when you do that, that'll be protest, you know? Right. Um, when I start to really be honest with like who I am and like, where, where do I see um, the pain in my journey and, and what's going on and what I've connected with, I, th- I think it just becomes more real and it transcends time, I feel. That's, yeah. I, I feel like the real powerful pieces for sure are, are the ones that, um, that are coming from a deeper place than just, uh, just a circum- like a historical circumstance or something like that. Now there are some really powerful protest works, you know, um, yeah, and yeah. so we're not against those obviously, but um, it, it needs to come from a very like authentic place, I think. Yeah. 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 Also, I think good protest works tell a lot of truth. So if yeah. you're telling truth at any time um, during, you know, the year or whatever, um, truth telling is always, always a good protest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, whenever, you know, whenever it is. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a member in our um, congregation. He's, he's older, but he's been very active in Asian American, um, uh, like racial equity movements. And, you know, he, like one of the things he always says to me is like, tell the truth always. You right. Know, tell me the truth always. And, you know, look where it got him. You know, like he went to all these different places, um, doing all kinds of things, just just being committed to telling the truth. And I, I think um, maybe wrapping up this, uh, I feel like art and prayer is, um, there's a really interesting connection between, because what we're talking about right now is about, I think prayer is most powerful when we're most authentic to ourselves and we're most honest to ourselves and to God. And I feel like an art is best when it's like that too. And so for me, sometimes like art is prayer in a lot of ways. It's kind of just, because like, you know, you can't control prayer. Like I think true prayer isn't like, um, some people talk about prayers, like pray for this so I can get that. But like, that's kind of like a, a real superficial view of prayer. But a lot of prayer is about like, find out who you are, find out who God is and see where it takes you. you right. know? Yeah. And it takes you to really um, amazing places you never would have imagined. And I feel like art does the same thing too. It does, yeah. Because like, I, I feel like that those cards that you made, it wasn't like you premeditated, like, okay, I'm going to make this card thing. It's going to make people feel like this and that. And that. Like, yeah. you, you just kind of followed where it took you. Yeah, I followed. And, yeah. The, just the, And also the interesting thing is that, like, I followed just, like, my different interests, like, what mm-hmm. I was interested in. 
Yes. You know, and that kind of led to, yeah, you know, to this, yeah. Yeah, and you're just following who you were, right? Like those are those are like sincere things that you've been passionate about for a long time. Um, yeah, you didn't you didn't like look into those or discover your love for fashion at that time. It was like right. it's it was way before. Right. So the time was just right for you to do that. You know. Yeah. So I, I think um, there's a lot there um, that I really appreciate and. Um, I, I just want to say again, like how much I appreciate this art and I hope you have more platforms to share it in the way that you do. Um, it's really profound and it's something I'm thinking about so much even now. And I will think, you know, long after the hashtags are gone, um, right. it's, it's going to like really leave an impression on me. So it's a real honor to have, uh, have to have had you as a artist in residence. And I hope, you know, there's more ways that we can connect. And I would love to, yeah, and I'd love to talk more about this because you have such a, a great perspective on so many things. So I love talking. So yeah, this is this has been amazing. This has been really wonderful. Um, it's been uh, much more than um, I had hoped for, and uh, I'm really thankful for your time. So well, thank, thank you. you again. This has uh, been a, an amazing episode of JBC Connect. Thank you again to Sarah Kane, and um, I'll just. Uh, list your uh, website on the video as well. And uh, please get connected and follow her. She's a, a wonderfully talented artist. So definitely more to come, I'm sure. So thank you again and uh, see you next time. Thank you.